podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Good morning, afternoon and evening everyone. Welcome to the 13th episode of the FPL Wire powered by Dreamset Go. I'm your host Zofa and I'm joined as always by my co-host Late Riser. How was the game week, Ella? Dark days, Zof, dark days. It was quite a tilting week. I mean, I scored 63 points. 58 of them I scored on Saturday. I was really hopeful. I had uh, De Bruyne, Sterling and Timo Werner on Saturday. My move this week was uh, Calvert-Lewin to Gabriel Jesus. Once I got Jesus in, he decided that he'd spent a lot of time with Bobby Firmino in the Brazil training ground. He decided to challenge his channel his own inner Firmino. Kept playing very deep. I don't know what was happening there. But KDB and uh, Sterling got the points. They should have had a lot more if they had the right shooting boots on. And then, then it was all up to your man, Timo Werner. I mean, Chelsea have posted the most attacking stats in the league in the past four game weeks. Timo Werner has the most big chances in the league in the last four game weeks. But you know what happened after that. And then it's just not that which puts you on edge, you know, which puts you on tilt. It, it's what happened the next day as well. Uh, Cody showed to us that he's a Liverpool fan by gifting a goal to Mo Salah. Fleck gives a goal to Jamie Vardy. Son scores a goal with a 0.000 million XG shot. Great game. Everything makes sense in FPL. So, yeah, <laughs> good week. <laughs> but uh, speaking of dark days, I, I, a friend, a good friend, uh, Bakar, gave me some hope. I looked at his face and felt a lot better about my life yep. on Sunday. So let, He's let, been studying uh, pretty hard. I heard, uh, I saw his post on Instagram and it was quite dark. What What's happening? I, th- I heard he called you on Saturday. Yep. What happened? So he called me 15 minutes before the deadline. Like, bro, bro, why is there no fixture under Martinez? What's going on? <laughs> what's going on? There's no fixture under Martinez and Steer. What's <laughs> 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 so, yeah. His hair was all over the place. He's like, bro, I haven't seen the sun for 12 days. What's going on? <laughs> do, do we have the picture up? Do we have the yes, picture up? Yes, we have the picture no. up. As yeah. you can see, dark yeah. days indeed for yeah. The fantasy freak. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the same guy who whose every word his followers latch on to. 35,000 of them would latch on to. But yeah, Dark Days. Uh, good news is he's back with us next game week. A uh, lot of his fans have been waiting to get him back. So yeah, we're excited to have Pucker back. His exam's on Thursday. So good luck, Pucker. We believe in you. Don't have that face. Go for it. Yep, yep. So in terms of my game week, I got about 72 points, which is funny because last week I got 73 and it was a 75k game week rank. This week with just one point less, it's a 2 million game week rank. (laughs) So it was just a ridiculously high scoring week. I think the average was around 60. So not much gain, just a small green arrow. But I, I, I call it a stalemate game week. All the big hitters came through. Pretty much. So we also have friend of the pod, Tom Freeman, back with us. You sure pick the good weeks to come on, Tom? Yeah, it isn't planned. It's just the way it's fallen. But um, I've, had, I've had a couple of rough ones to, to, to kind of precede this. So um, it was about time. It was a good week. Um, 89 points, game week rank of 208k, which is my best of the season so far. Um, you know, the, the squad I've kind of built, it enabled Son and Kane, but then De Bruyne and Vardy. This week it worked. Um Got a bit fortunate, I think, with Cancelo um, and then the Walker-Peters penalty last night. But then maybe a little bit unlucky with Mares only picking up four. So, um, yeah, good week, though. Um, 252k OR now. So, moving back in the right direction after falling for the last couple of weeks. Absolutely. Both of you are on for good seasons, both in the in the top 500k. Right? Hopefully. So, I think the next six yeah. weeks are really key. I think we have six game weeks in 21 days sure. or something like that now. 
So yeah. uh, before we move on, a quick word about our sponsors. Dreamset Go is a global portal for fans to gain access to sporting events around the world, accommodation, flight tickets, hospitality, stadium visits. Everything can be tailored exactly to your requirements. They also do celebrity experiences, which include masterclasses with your favorite sports celebrity or something as simple as birthday shoutouts. You can find links to the products in the description below. The FPL Wire is a part of the Fantasy Scout Network and all stats used in this podcast are taken from the FFS members area. Please sign up if you haven't already. All right, and I'll just take you guys through the agenda for today. Uh, quite obviously, we're going to be talking about heavy hitters and the Christmas schedule and the congestion. A lot of questions uh, coming in about this. We didn't want to talk about this week on week, but it's it's when the questions are coming in, Wanting us to talk about this, we just have to. Uh, we're going to be talking about a few budget enablers, a few differentials. Uh, we're going to be looking at three teams a lot closer, Leeds United, West Ham, and Southampton. After that, we have your standard fair. We have the captaincy, the hot fixtures, the differentials, and the Q&A. Let's, let's start with the heavy hitter discussions. Of how, how do you play this? Is this a reason? Is this a season to shift them around or stick to the ones you have? I think rather than talk about the conclusion first, let's discuss this in general because it's not like you know something you can really explain in a few words. So first of all, let's look at some ownership combinations. So just you know, the Holy Trinity, as it's been named now, KDB, Salah, and Bruno is owned by just 1.2% of the game. The above three with Sun, I've seen this in a few teams, it's only 0.26%. Now, KDB, Bruno, and Sun is 3.6. KDB, Bruno, Kane is 2.3. Bruno, Sun, and Kane is I think one of the most popular combinations, but it is still only at 12%. And Sun and Kane combined are in 28% of teams. So now this leads itself to an interesting dynamic. This was a tweet by Ragaboli, the guy who runs live FPL after the Arsenal game. So Sun and Kane both had 75% EO. That's effective ownership each. So that means if you owned one of them and not the other, you gained quarter of the points of the one you have. And he lost three quarter points of the other against the average. So what effectively this meant that if the, both of them were on 11 points, you gain 2.75 and you lose 8.25. So effectively, if you had Sun and not Kane, you, you still lost rank. The only way you really gained rank is if you had both, like Tom did. So this is interesting. Something we have to consider in terms of like, you know, let's talk. I would like this discussion to be more about strategy. Because ultimately, the, more, the ultimate goal is still to make up rank, isn't it? Correct. Correct. So what's your thinking with the strategy given these figures and what you've seen so far? See, I think more or less, see if you're in the top 10k, maybe from the top 50k, even though it's early season, maybe you hold on to both. But I can't see how you can make ground if you own like, let's say one or like, you know, I think if you have to make ground up the ranks, you have to go without these guys in a nutshell. To, to make ground quickly, I guess. You still make ground if you own these guys if they're performing. It's just whether you want to make ground quickly because in, in, in my opinion, the, the tough fixtures with Spurs had done, the, the opportunity there was in terms of making ground, not owning the Spurs players was in the past few weeks. Now, the next fixtures for them are Palace, Liverpool, Leicester, Wolves, Fulham and Leeds. Now, except for the Liverpool game and Liverpool aren't the best defensive team at the moment. We saw Brighton open them apart quite a few games, but Maureen is going to pass the pass there and go for a little uh, I, I, I see all those other games as fairly decent games against not such great defences at the moment. So, I don't know if that's the strategy. What, what's your thinking there, Tom? 
Yeah, well, I don't know. This season, it's kind of like unlike anything we've seen before. You know, um, I think previously we've kind of thought, is a premium worth owning if you're not going to captain them? You know, that's been the, the, the kind of the, the discussion over the past few years. And, and this season, um, it probably is worth owning them because so many of them are performing. You know, um, and I guess it's that is Kane and Jota better than, I don't know, say Calvert-Lewin and Son or Grealish and Ings kind of thing. So it's that it's that kind of conversation which you, you've got. A, that, that's the kind of the discussion point. Um, but for me, I've got I've got four in at the moment. Um, you know, I've got Kane and I've got Vardy and I've got De Bruyne and I've got Son. Um, this week it worked. I don't. I, I would quite like to lose one of them. I think going forward. But no, Man City, no Liverpool. Tom? He's got De Bruyne. De Bruyne. Yeah. So that's it. This is now where, which we'll talk about later. I want to get Salah in. So it's going to be a case of of, of losing probably one of those forward players. Um, so 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 yeah. I mean, it's it, this season does feel unlike any other really. But then I think you've got to look at captaincy and you've got to think: is it worth holding on to these kind of premiums if you're not going to captain them? And and that's the way I would kind. Of, that's my, in my head how I'm going to plan to work out which ones I want to own over the next few weeks. Um, you know, I've still got Son and Kane, but that's more because I haven't played a wild card yet or anything like that. And there's been other fires to put out. Um, I can totally see why people moved off them two or three weeks ago um, in an attempt to kind of gain rank. Hmm. That's interesting. So what's the thinking then? What's the thinking? You you mentioned you own Son and Kane. Are you looking at sacrificing one of them right now to get Salah? I, I think it's I think yeah. we can have the discussion right now because it's yeah. I mean, I'm not gonna come out and say I've got a definitive plan at the moment because I haven't. Basically, if I want to get Salah in, um, I'll probably need to lose either Vardy or Kane. Um at the moment which is maybe a bit surprising. I'm edging towards losing Kane right now um, just because I like Vardy for the next two. I know that he's kind of underwhelmed over the last couple. I mean, the whole Leicester situation with playing three at the back, they haven't they haven't offered much going forward. But I just think for these next two, I think Brighton and then that Everton fixture after, I've got a feeling that I might look back on that if I, if I lose Vardy now and think, why didn't I stick to the plan and hold him for that three or four game stretch? So I would, I would consider losing Kane right now. Son, Son's hard, hard to lose at the moment. Because we talk about him as a premium, but he's still a lot cheaper than a lot of those premiums, if you know what I mean. So um, he offers a lot of value. He's just one of the best finishers in the league. So uh, um, at the moment, basically, my, my scenario is I can either take out Jota or I can take out Mares and go to Salah and then downgrade one of the forwards to a, a 6.5-ish forward which is where I'm at at the moment but I think um, Champions League might dictate what I do and once we see minutes and that kind of thing and, and then make a decision on that later in the week So what about Bruno? You, mm. you don't own Bruno as well, right? I've never owned Bruno, no so, Is he in your uh, thinking? No Based on the captaincy at the moment? No, no. no not in your thinking No, not at all So, um, I don't know I mean, United uh, I think you've touched on it before a few times in this point when we spoke that you've got worries about the attack and how it functions. Um, I don't think they score enough at home. Um, they tend to play for 45 minutes in most games these days, don't they? Past few weeks, it's taken like a, a half-time reaction for them to kind of kick into gear. And, and, and I, don't, I think he's a good option. I'm not saying Fernandez isn't a good option, but I just will not captain him over the next four, five, six game weeks. So that's the reason why I, I'm hesitant to, to hold him. So I mean, just while, while we're having this conversation, what what's bothering me and why I haven't, uh, you know, made ground in the past is because I haven't paid enough attention to 
goal involvement. Now, my thinking while I was trying to make ground in the past few weeks was that Chelsea is a team that's going to be more attacking. Chelsea is a team that's going to be scoring more goals. So I went there. Uh, City is a team that's going to be scoring more goals. I went there. City did score more goals than Spurs. Chelsea did score more goals than Spurs. But the goal involvement did me. Uh, when it came to Kane, when it came to Son, and when it came to Bruno. Yeah. So there seems to be a little bit of a dilemma and a debate in my head where, you know, I'm reading the game right in terms of uh, identifying the teams that are more attacking, that are scoring more goals. But you have to pay attention to goal involvement. Now, I, I think of a goal that uh, Spurs are going to score and it's it's difficult to think about them scoring without these two involved at the yeah. moment. So, yeah. so, so that's the little debate that I'm having in my hand, head because historically I've been more inclined towards betting on the more aggressive teams, betting on the more attacking teams. But this is something that's uh, bothering. So where do you stand on this entire picture? So I'd just like you guys to allow me, I'd just like to walk through the captaincy like matrix which we have plans for the next five weeks. So let's look all the way up to game week 17. So now in game week 12, Salah is outstanding captain pick. He plays Fulham at home. KDB and Bruno play each other. Spurs play Palace away. So Salah picks himself there. Game week 13 is a little bit more dodgy because you have a little bit of a short turnaround for Man City. But KDB has West Brom at home. Bruno has Sheffield United away. Salah plays Spurs at Anfield. So these two weeks, I don't think you can really look at a Spurs player for captain. You have to look probably at Salah or KDB, in which case you are fine, Tom. With it's just while well, 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 mentioning th- game week 13, it's, it's a little worrisome for KDB as mm. an asset because we're not yeah. really sure if he's going to play because that game sandwiched between the United and the Southampton game. And yeah. that's, that's just three games in a period of nine, seven days. So do you think KDB starts the West Brom home game? I think so because he's taking this entire week probably off, right? He's probably won't feature at all mm-hmm. in the midweek Champions League. And I think KDB is sort of irreplaceable in this attack. Now, he's playing these two CDMs in Gundogan and Rodri. Who do you think can play that KDB role in the City side? Bernardo Foden? Because yeah, he's, he's played Foden almost as a wing no. player, I think, yeah. mostly this yeah. season, right? So there's Foden and there's Bernardo. Those two Bernardo, can play. Bernardo. Yeah. yeah. But um, the hope is that if he is given it the night off, it will be a complete rest. Mm. So at least your vice captain kicks in then. The worry is if he gets 20 minutes or 15 minutes off the bench. Which he probably yeah. will if they need him. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So, But you would think that City, OK, the attack isn't going to function quite as well as it would do without De Bruyne. But you'd, you would hope by that point there would be a couple of goals to the good against West Brom, I guess. Yeah. My, my worry about that's, uh, that West Brom at home game is not just that they play Saints after. After Saints, they have Arsenal at home. But that's 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 the Culling Cup fixture. So so they're not gonna be yeah, sorry, sure. I misread that. So they're definitely gonna he's definitely gonna be rested. You're not worried. you you'll be confident captaining KDB in that fixture. Tom, what do you think? Um it's kinda of hard to say right now. I think we need to see exactly what happens before that. But at the moment, I don't like um I don't like let, letting these decisions too far ahead, you know, impact the way that I see transfers and things like that. It's very hard to say now exactly where we're going to be with that. So um, at the moment, yeah, he's the standout captaincy that week um, above everybody else. So that's where I'm at, at the moment. But like I say, if, if you stick the armband on him, hopefully, and he does miss out, hopefully he'll miss the whole 90 minutes and you, your voice can kick in. So, so for the problem- If, if Maris is rested for the United game, let's say, would you be tempted to hand him the armband for that West Brom home game? I mean, we had a lot of these questions on, um, or I did anyway, on um, you know pre-deadline on Saturday because obviously we got that hint on Friday night that Mares was starting. Mm. I bought it, I bought him in for Rashford. Um, 
I just didn't feel comfortable giving him the armband. Um, there's something about me this year which tends to gravitate towards the premium players. And um, the fact that De Bruyne was on penalties, it, it swung it for me. No, no, uh, this, this, this week was different because there was no risk of De Bruyne getting benched because we know that yeah, he was rested yeah. midweek. I'm talking about, we are going to have a worry about De Bruyne in that West Brom home game. So that's Yeah, I mean, if, if, if there is a... I probably would go for it, but I'd make sure my voice was um, was probably on Vardy. I would have thought if I still own him, um, and hope that that kicks in. Right. on the same page. So, uh, see, the thing is, I would probably maybe consider somebody else if there were other good candidates. Now, Liverpool play Spurs. I think that's probably the next best option. Because Bru- Bruno, Sh- Bruno Sheffield. Away. See, it's a Sheffield. I don't trust because I expect them to concede, but I don't expect them to concede truckloads. Maybe a goal or two, not more than that. So I think just purely because of the lack of a different fixture and the ceiling, right? Now, let's say if KDB does start versus West mm-hmm. Brom. So, like, you know, then that could be anything. The last few games we've seen, KDB could have had scores of 20 plus. He's been a yeah, bit unlucky. Sure. So you could find the shoe on the other foot that day. Maybe on that day he goes lucky and you never know what he can do. So purely uh-huh. because of fear of rotation risk to not captain him against possibly the worst team in the league. Is- fair enough, fair enough. I, I mean, just just to add to what you said in terms of Sheffield United away being a fixture that it was last season, my thinking is uh, realigned because I saw the Leicester-Sheffield United game at the weekend. I thought they were not that good a team. Leicester dominated for most parts of the game. Uh, you know, they controlled possession. I feel like United will be able to hurt them. So, it's, it's I mean, I'd back Bruno to get returns in that game just uh, based on he, what I've yeah. seen. Yeah, it's an away fixture. Choice. Bruno is yeah. an away fixture, I think. Yeah, because this isn't the this isn't the Pochettino Spurs that used to roll over in the big six games, right? So Jose will probably go park double decker buses at Anfield. So not the best fixture for Salah. Nah. Yeah. So the yeah, next the next week is where it probably gets a bit tricky, I think. Now you have Bruno who plays Leeds at home in game week fourteen. That's probably the outstanding fixture. KDB has Saints away. Salah has Palace away, and this is the dreaded early kickoff on Saturday, which Klopp hates. And Spurs yeah. plays Leicester at home, which is not a bad fixture, I guess, for the likes of Kane or Son to captain. That's not that bad. Yeah, so, Leicester defensive numbers have been pretty poor as well. Mm-hmm. Pretty poor. And, and you know, just Brendan Rodgers, what he's going to do turn up there, have all the possession, concede on the counter attack. Yeah, do nothing. You don't, you don't think he's learned from last season? Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> so where, where do you guys uh, you know let's just uh, put you guys on the spot there is there a ranking that you guys have in terms of I'm going to stick with those, these two or these three guys and I might change shuffle guy X or Y what's your thinking there Tom yeah so Salah I put ahead of every other premium in the game so I think he has to come in for me and then I kind of a tier below that I want to win De Bruyne with that with that game week 13, I know there's kind of concerns around rotation, but at this moment in time, I put him ahead of everybody in 13. So Salah and De Bruyne, I will probably keep Son in there. Um, and then I may have one premium attacker in there somewhere, probably Vardy. Um, and I'm kind of eyeing a, Ver- a Vardy to Werner move, possibly in 14, so, which I think we can see on that. That, that, that shot when, yeah, possibly, possibly then when when Vardy's for, uh, fixtures kind of turn a touch when he plays um, Spurs. So that's my kind of thinking. Salah, De Bruyne and Son and then one premium attacker, which will which may switch over the next few weeks. Uh, Zop, you agree? 
So I'm, I think for me, like, you know, I want to go without the Spurs guys. I want to take that risk because I don't think the managers who are Spurs are going to be facing the next few weeks, maybe Brendan Rodgers apart, are going to be as naive as Arteta was. Because Arteta did exactly what Jose wanted. Had all the possession, left himself open yeah. on the defense, got countered. I don't think Nuno is going to do that. I don't think Hodgson's going to do that. I don't they're, they're going to have to play against Palace, Leicester, and not against me, not against Leicester, maybe, but they're going to have to play against Palace and Wolves. Yeah, and Liverpool is a tough fixture anyway, even with all the defensive injuries and all that stuff. So I'm going to bank on the other managers trying to keep Spurs out because Spurs numbers yeah. aren't really great. I'll show you guys the slides later. They're having the same number of shots in the box as Burnley over the last. That doesn't four seem matches. to matter though. Like 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 I mentioned earlier, that doesn't seem to matter. I mean, not yes. everyone can be the tactical genius that Frank Lampard is. So. Obviously, <laughs> the thing, the thing like Bruno says, if if they're going to score, if they're going to score one or two, which you'd still probably expect them to in most of those games, like you said, there's such a high chance that Son or Kane will be involved be in those goals. That the, there is, um, but I think if you've done what you've done and you've decided to move off, I think you've got to see it through now. I don't Absolutely. think there's any point in going back to them now, is there? You've got to see it through for the next run of fixtures and then realign those thoughts maybe in game week 16 Precisely. when Fulham comes around. So. so I- uh, so that's what I've got down over here also. So now game week 15 is KDB plays Newcastle at home. Salah has West Brom at home. Bruno has Leicester away. Spurs have Wolves away. Now the interesting part here is KDB has Arsenal in the League Cup three days before. Now if he's rested in that game, he's an easy captain again for Newcastle. So after yep. this is where game week 16 is where it gets tricky. Because then the turnaround is really short. It's from the 26th to the 28th. Salah has Newcastle away, Bruno has Wolves at home, KDB has Everton away, Spurs have Fulham at home. This is what I've got penciled in as my KDB to Sun move. Because this is where the fixtures are really congested. This is where I expect KDB to possibly miss either this Everton game or the... Because right after this, I think two, three days later, is Chelsea. Now, he's definitely going to play Chelsea away. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So, this is probably where I've got earmarked as my KDB to Sun switch. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, actually, in alignment. Uh, you you own, at the moment, you own Salah, Bruno and De Bruyne. Yep, I'll get to my team. I moved early for Salah this week at the expense of Vardy. I had 0.0 bigger room. So, I've got those three in place now. And you're going to stick with them for a while because the captaincy suits. Up, actually, still 15. And then relook at things. And then relook at things, precisely. I, and are you looking at in adding another big hitter to that armory? No, I'd, for that, I'd have to compromise in my defense. And I really don't want to go for a more balanced approach in terms of that. Yeah, nice, nice that uh, City double defense came through for you this okay. week. Hopefully, this yeah. hopefully Cancelo keeps getting games. Yeah, yeah, my thinking is also uh, in alignment with Tom at the moment. I'm looking to get Salah at the moment. Sterling showed signs of a revival of form, but uh, I think Salah matches him on form. I think uh, Liverpool have an easier fixture, a fixture schedule compared to uh, uh, City at the moment, and I'm very confident that uh, Salah is going to start most of the games, except for that Palace game that you mentioned early off. Uh, so, for me, Salah and KDB are top two. I think KDB has... Uh, I think not many people have realized that KDB has become an even stronger asset than he was last, last season. Game. The position uh, is insane. Six shots in the box. Most shots yeah. in the box amongst any City asset. Now, we've seen a lot of these City home banker games earlier. KDB hasn't dominated a game from a goal-scoring point of view as much as he did recently. And that's that's not just happened this game week. It's happened in the past three or four game weeks as well. So, I'm off to thinking that, you know, you get these two as a base and then you decide what you want to do with the other assets because uh, KDB uh, and Salah also are pretty good on goal involvement. Uh, you know, you tend to think that they're going to be involved in the goals and you tend to think that Liverpool and uh, 
City are going to be scoring more goals than your Spurs at the moment. And then you see how you want to plan around. Before we move on from the uh, heavy hitter conversation, there's just a big dilemma in my head. And so if I want to come to you with this, Timo Werner, what do I do? Which of the heavy hitters do you plan to move him for? I don't plan to move him this week. I think Everton's a good game. Mm. But generally, what do you think about Timo Werner? In terms of what has happened in the past few weeks. It's a difficult one because I think there's a little bit of poor finishing. There's a little bit of bad luck there. But I think the fixtures are pretty good in terms of on paper, right? I don't think Wolves away is a difficult fixture. It was in the previous years, especially if he sticks to a back four. Everton have been leaky. West Ham, as we'll get into later, have been quite leaky too. Arsenal, nothing more needs to be said. So, it's, and I, what has happened now, I think, with ZX injury, the two, it has a twofold impact. A... The service to him will be affected, right? Without Ziyech putting those balls into the far post, he is going to get less service. But B, it's now made him slightly bit more nailed because uh, you have Hudson Odoi and Ziyech who are injured. So we have pretty much two only two natural wingers who are fit in Pulisic and Werner. So, so is Werner because he'll will he move to the right now? I think or he might have to, or, or that's, yeah. that's what happened the last game. Or you'd have to move Pulisic yeah. to the right. Is that, that a good thing? That good? One I game earlier so. where Pulisic was playing on the right, right and Werner was playing on the left. So I don't know if that's... I think I'm going to rotate a little bit. Yeah, might right. rotate a little bit. But yeah, on the right, I don't know. I haven't seen Werner play much more on the right. But the problem is I don't think he's very confident shooting with his left foot. A lot of the finishes, you see the mistakes he's made. He could have taken a natural touch with his left foot, but he opted yeah. to shoot with his right. So that would probably make him more of an assister than a goal scorer like we saw with the last goal against Leeds. Yeah. Yeah. What, what would your advice to the Werner owners be? Hold think, on, watch watch the next game or two? I would probably, honestly, if you don't have one of these three, I would probably still move him on to Bruno. And I say that with a heavy heart. All right, fair enough. See, for me, I have an easy route to, uh, easier route to uh, Salah in terms of Sterling and I've got the cash and that was yeah. a pre-planned move. But uh, if somebody was on the edge and they needed to fund a more Salah, uh, selling Werner, I just, I just have an inkling that I, I wouldn't think uh, twice about it. Honestly, if it was for Salah, Salah is on another tier to Werner. Yeah, yeah, fair enough. I just say that hold on to this for this one fixture. I, I, I think Everton defensive no, numbers. But, no, but Salah really has great. Fulham, bro. So like ultimately, yeah. you say hold on to. That's what I'm saying. If it's for Salah, you move. If it's for the other two, for KDB or Bruno, you can afford to wait out this week, right? Because it's a derby. It could yeah. be KG. But if fair you enough. have to move him on for Salah, you have to do it this week. Yeah, fair enough. Because it's a move you're going to make long term and you're going to hold on to Salah long term. Yeah, precisely. precisely. So, just, All now, right. just before, while we're on the topic of this, we would like to point you guys out if you haven't already seen it. This very good fixture congestion matrix made by Lego Mane. So, it details all the rest periods for different teams over the game. As you can see, the City have a very congested schedule between Manchester United and West Brom, between Southampton and the League Cup. So, Bookmark this, save it, and have a look at it before every game week. It's definitely going to help you in your yeah, Just taking you guys through very slowly, just very briefly in terms of what's happening there. Liverpool do have decent fixtures and they don't seem very cramped, but they don't seem as cramped as the other big hitting teams, you know. City do have a tough schedule. I actually think United schedule is pretty cramped post uh, uh, yeah, cause, cause the league game. Cup, the League Cup makes yeah. it difficult, right? Because you have Everton away. Exactly. So, and Sheffield, uh, Leeds and Leicester are pretty close. And even the Wolves game after that is pretty close. You'd expect uh, Bruno to be rested for that Everton game, nailed on for the test in the League Cup. And mm -hmm. he should start all the other games because we saw this week against West Ham as well. We cannot afford to drop him at the moment. Uh, Chelsea, comparatively, uh, 
easier schedule as well. But the problem with Chelsea and when thinking about assets is that they have a bigger squad. At the moment, they do have injury problems in Hudson Odoi, Odoi and Zh uh, uh, as well. So that's something uh, you need to think about. Spurs. Uh, I wouldn't care about the fixture congestion schedule because Kane and Spurs are going to play 98% of the games there. So that's something that shouldn't worry. Agreed. There's no worry about just, looking, just looking at that, I've got a wild card planned in game six, game week 16, and that's just giving me a headache looking at that <laughs> two-day period. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Where like, it's going to be waving goodbye to the family to come up to the office for a few hours, I think. Yeah. On the, it's going to be quite a tight well, some, Yeah, two two-day turnaround, isn't it? So. Mm. Yeah, I think your game week 16 uh, uh, wildcard is going to be focused on like 18 and 19 in terms of blanks and yeah. doubles. And then I think hopefully those for, for, for a lot of the then. decisions will probably be dictated by those fixtures rather than weighing up which player to go for, I think. So that's what I hope anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we, we've got a lot of uh, big hitters performing, which leads us to the next uh, hot topic, which is enablers. How do you afford these big hitters now? Who are the enablers that you guys have liked? Uh, and uh, good prospects in the next few game weeks. So, Tom? Tom? Tom, Walcott on top of your list? <laughs> <laughs> well, I think I missed I missed that kind of window with Danny Ings coming back into the fold, but um, that kind of leads nicely onto Danny Ings, who could actually be um, not a budget enabler, but a low-owned in that, um, option. But if we're talking cheaper, um, I've currently got Jota, um, in the team, but I think midfield is the area where there's a lot of these names popping up. You know, um, I do spot the differential on Scout, as probably most people know, and the graphic, which I think you'll be looking at soon, you might even have it on now with the midfielders. Um, loads of these guys have popped up in spot the differential over the last few weeks. So we've had Rafinha, we had Nito, we had we had Patrick, uh, we had Pascal Gross last week. We've had Lookman, we've had Bowen, and I think. Um, I think all of those kind of um, play, you know, Rafinha would probably be top of my list. Um, if you're looking for like a fourth midfielder, maybe for those who are going in with Salah, De Bruyne and Fernandes, if you need to go a bit cheaper with that fourth midfielder, I think the next four games for Leeds are really good. I think Nito as well. Um, he's been one of the most creative players in the league so far. The only thing which makes me maybe a bit hesitant on that is to see how how they kind of um, perform without Jimenez and how that kind of works with, you know, the only the only replacement in there is Fabio Silva in terms of an out-and-out striker who they probably, he probably isn't going to lead the line week in, week out. So do they then go with um, Traore or, or you know, Podence as the, the furthest forward player? So um, Bowen, I like a lot, but I'm going to talk about him in a bit with West Ham. Um, and, and even Lookman. I mean, I know it's Fulham, but they, they after this week they do have a little run of games, so um, could offer a bit of value maybe. All right, Zoff, any more names to add? So I've got the list up over here: midfielders sorted by expected goal involvement over the last four game weeks. Gross comes out on top, and I think that's because he's had two penalties. Two penalties, yeah. yeah. So it's probably but he has been, but he, but he has been creating a lot. Um, I mean, he's always put up good creative numbers just because of his set pieces and. Um, so yeah, I don't think he's top of that list, but he but he deserves to be in there somewhere. Is he nailed? Do you think? I think because Potter keeps chopping and changing so much. Well, this is what I thought because I thought it was either him or Lalana in the eleven, but they did play together, and Lalana's been ruled out for he was out this this week, and I think I think he might be out for the next one. But it, I 
think they can play together. Um, it, but Potter's hard to read, isn't he? So, mm. Trossard and Mopé on the bench as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So Lukman is in at number two. I'm not sure that includes the West Ham penalty if that's outside the window. Trezeguet is number three, but I'm not going anywhere near him. No, he struggles with his finishing. Yeah, so. Cavalero is number four, I think, but that's again because probably because the penalty is Neto. Is somebody there now? Do you think Wolves stick with the back four after that demolition at Anfield? I do, yeah, because um, I think if they were going to switch to the back three, I think that Liverpool game was the one to do it, wasn't it? Because they they had lost Jimenez, and it would make sense to do that for that. This that that maybe makes me think that this is his plan for 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 the next few weeks at least. And um, yeah, I'd be surprised if they they switch to a back three again now, but but maybe. Well, what do you think? What do you guys think, uh, Ella? No, no idea in terms of what. No, but take a guess. I think they probably do. I think they probably do because that's worked for them in the past. I think more. so because I think the Cody. I don't think he's comfortable playing enough for the way he the, the yeah. goal he conceded to Salah. Right? He's not used to he's being a that fan. <laughs> he plays FPL. There's no other explanation. <laughs> so, so like you know, the positioning he was taking, he's always used to being a little further back than the other two centre backs. Right? He's always yeah. played yeah. that centre sweeper role. So I think he's finding the thing a little bit difficult. And uh, to a certain extent, I know Nuno is stubborn. Right? He likes to stick with what he's got but like I, he's also one to lot like conceding four goals so conceding four goals I think is enough to make Nuno think again and I think Kilman yeah. has been one of the better centre-backs he's been one of yeah. the consistent performer and what they might do is they might even use Dendonk so going back to like a 5-3-2 might work because they might use Dendonka and get him as maybe the furthest forward of the three central midfield because he does offer that bit of aerial presence doesn't he Absolutely. something which hurt Jimenez does so you might even see him a little bit more advanced but um yeah, um, I just think uh, if, if you go to Anfield and you play a back four, um, it kind of suggests that you're going to go with that for the, for the for the especially for the Villa game. But we'll yeah. see. The Villa game is a derby, isn't it? I think it's a Midlands derby. Yeah, it's classic. I mean, it's not the um, most heated of rivalries. You know, it's Birmingham and um, West Brom, which are a bit ahead of it, I think. But yeah, it is a, it is a derby. So that should be interesting. I think he's going to yeah. go to a back three personally. Yeah, it'd be interesting to say. So, because uh, also, like, I think Neto was playing up top last game? Podence yeah, is playing up top. Okay. Three centres. Yeah. Okay. So, I do, yeah. so, Neto could be a good option. The fixtures are a bit mixed. Then you have mm-hmm. Saka. Saka, you never know where he's going to play under Arteta. Yeah. His yeah. position keeps I don't think anybody would want to touch an Arsenal attacker yeah. at the moment. That's it, yeah. Bowen has been mm-hmm. so impressive. I think, but that, that Villa yeah. game, he was quite wasteful so as well. He's very wasteful. Yeah. I almost I was denied a Kufal assist here at Tappan. I've got a few names actually that you guys haven't mentioned, who I think are sneaky good differentials. I mean, uh, Spurs. I, I first talk about a couple of defenders that I've really liked who have sneaked under the radar, and we have to talk about that Spurs defense. I mean, they've kept clean sheets against the big boys, and uh, it's their defensive performance. They seemed very well drilled in defense at the moment, and I don't see them conceding a few goals. I think we're going to see Mourinho. Of old, in terms of having one of the best defenses in the league, and Eric Dyer 4.9. I think he's a great budget stick and forget option because with Eric Dyer, with a Spurs defender, even the fixtures don't matter because you know that Mourinho is going to park a double decker in those big games. Yeah. So, you're pretty, it's a pretty good bet for a clean sheet as well. So, I like that as a pick. Uh, Rafina, as someone Tom already mentioned, I think it's a good time to invest in a Robo or Trent also. I was looking at Liverpool's fixtures, and they yeah. seem very clean sheet worthy to me. Uh, in the next few, they have Fulham at home, then they have Spurs, then they have Crystal Palace, then West Brom and Newcastle. I see three or four 
clean sheets in these games and a few attacking returns for Liverpool defenders as well. Who, so who would do, you go for out of the two? Trent or Robertson? Who do you think you would kind of side towards? Uh, I'd, I'd look to, I'd wait to watch a game with Trent playing 90 minutes start. and see how he's yeah. looking before yeah. taking that call. So I wouldn't even move to Robbo right now. I'd wait to watch a game where both of them are starting together and then take uh, the make The problem is the money, the heavy hitters are performing, right? The allure is to put your money in attack. Yeah. No, yes. but this is in uh, this is in space of spending six and a half odd million on a Jota in defense. We've got a lot of questions actually asking where is the money well spent in terms of a midfield asset like Jota or a defender like Robertson who's more more nailed for mm. around the same price. So that's the thinking you're comparing. Well, yeah, you could you could use that could be that look lookman or something because she's fourth midfielder, couldn't it? And then put that money yeah. into yeah. Alexander Arnold. Yeah, and in, yeah. in a busy period, actually, that's a decent idea. I agree. Mm. So my only issue with Dyer, right? He's now he's five point two, not four point nine. It's only point two less than James. So somebody like yeah. James offers so much more attacking potential now. Problem Fair. with Dyer is he likes to take a free kick or two, but he's terrible at them. Fair no, no, no. You're buying Dyer only for the clean sheets, nothing. So that, that's the only thing with I don't like about Dyer. Yeah. Also, uh, just another shout. Not not an enabler, but let's say you want to get in another picketer for. Uh, so what's what's your thoughts on Pulisic at the moment? So how how many games do you think he gets in the congested period? I think he's a great shout as a differential enabler at the moment. Eight point two million at the moment. So you think his injury? I think Lampard has been pretty safe yep. in terms of bringing him back. Play. Yeah, exactly. What's the thing there? So the thing is again now we have lack of options. So with Hudson Odoi injured and Ziyech injured, so now he has very little competition now for the wing role. So I think he's safe now. The, our fixtures actually aren't as congested as everybody else's, right? We're going to rest everybody in the Champions League tomorrow. That game's a complete stalemate and we don't have any League Cup fixture. So there's only two, really two periods of congestion there between, I think, game week 12 to 14 and right towards the new year. And that congested fixture also somebody pointed out to me on Twitter yesterday. Those, most of those fixtures are at home. So there's not much travel and all that stuff. So I think he's going, Pulisic is going to start pretty much every game. You might have him hooked at 60, 70. To make sure, he, like you know, he doesn't burn himself out. But I think. But shout at eight point two. I think you're buying yourself yeah. an extra big at a potential player. I oh. agree. Yeah. Well, he's the kind of guy that could, could bag a hat trick, couldn't he? And exactly. you know, on his day, he could. No. I just was yeah, just a couple, couple of other names. I think we, we've got. A, sorry, sorry, sorry. I was just saying. I was just hope Ziyech was fit, right? Because the the whole thing from preseason, you've been envisaging Ziyech putting in those crosses in for Pulisic in at the far post. That's yeah. my. Mm. That's the only I, thing. I, I didn't see that causing your trouble uh, at Leeds. I thought you all were absolutely See, that's Leeds amazing. though. That's Leeds. So yeah, ultimately, Leeds. like with Wolves and all that stuff, it might be a different ball game. How long yeah. is he out for, do we think? Um, I would say at least a couple of weeks, right? With the hamstring mm-hmm. today, we are the eighth. So he might be back for the fixtures post-Christmas. We don't know yet. He's going yeah. for a scan today. We should probably okay. have some clarity by the weekend though. All right. Uh, just a couple of more names that I want to mention. I think Suchek is still a good option. He's got a couple yeah. of goals in the past few weeks as well. Their fixtures are pretty decent from an attacking yeah. standpoint, where they've got Leeds, Crystal Palace, Brighton, and Saints in the next five game weeks. I like that from an attacking standpoint. And what, what do you guys think mm-hmm. about Danny Welbeck? He's, he's had three big chances created, and he's had eight shots in the box in the last four game weeks, playing Fulham, Sheffield United, and West Ham. Should we jump to decent... the forwards and we're still on mid? I'll just change the slide. Yeah, yeah to we the can forwards. change the forwards. Yeah. I like that yeah. as a 5.5 million enabler. Yeah, I yeah, not against that at all. So it's just what, again, it comes back to that what Potter's got lined up in terms of, like you said, the guys on the bench, Malpay, 
um, to our side as well. And it just um, it depends where well if if Malpay were to come back in, would Welbeck be shifted to a slightly deeper role? I don't know. Um, but yeah, for five for, for that kind of money, um, I think it's probably worth a punt if you, if you need to. John, would you spend 0.5 million more and go with Jerems instead to be safe? Oh, I'll go Watkins. I'd 0.6 more, I think, and probably go him. But yeah, that, that, that would be a better better option for sure, unless you really need the money. Yeah. I agree. But the thing with Welbeck is, right, I, honestly, I can't look past his injury record. He's been yeah. so injury prone and in the congested period, he's one of the last players I would go turn to for consistent minutes. So you're, you're Watkins and Shea Adams over these two? Yep. So we've got the XGI against Sorted over here. Watkins is on top by some distance, 3.12. Bamford, 2.66. McBurney has actually been taking a lot of shots. He's at 2.19. Maupe is at 2.03. Welbeck, 1.85. Holler, Wood, Benteke. I like seeing Benteke up there. Abraham. <laughs> That's really worked for them pretty decently because, uh, you know... Eze and Chris, uh, Zaha are doing all the running and the yeah. interplay and he's just linking up play sort of like Giroud in that team and just staying yeah. in the spot to put those goals in. I'm I've got fond memories of him from Villa. I mean, he was unplayable when he was when he was uh, playing for us. So then it's just, it's kind of sad to see how much his stock's fallen. But yeah, if you get the right players and you get him the right kind of service, there's, there's still a player there. Absolutely. That was under Sherwood, right? Those last few games. I remember the double game week yeah. with Ben Teke. He yeah. was really good. Yeah, sure. We just managed to get the best out of him, and 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 knew the exact way to play him, and the way to get balls into the box to him really early, and it just and it just worked, and that was what earned him the move to Liverpool. Mm-hmm. So, if you ask me, I think there's really only two in terms of strikers. A pool under seven point five is pretty small. I see just Watkins and Bamford as the reliable picks. I think you can turn to. Not Chris Wood, not this season. No, we leave getting Wood to Bucker. I would actually um, a, a guy who isn't a guy who isn't in that list. I'd put Callum Wilson up there as well with them if the COVID stuff kind oh, yeah. of um, yeah, yeah, yeah. if 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 they. Uh, I mean, I think the training grounds open today, isn't it? So um, it looks like there might be a chance for the weekend. And if if they are playing with their fixtures, I'd put him. I'd actually probably put him to the top of that list. They um, have the, they have good good next three, but then I think it goes downhill yeah. after that. They have Fulham, you need, yeah. West Brom in the next three, but then after that, the, yeah. It goes downhill. Well, wouldn't you worry about half the team maybe having testing positive and not being fully? <laughs> that's positive. another thing. Yeah, hopefully, that, that, that's my thing. I think it's just too risky in terms of we don't know who the players are out. I mean, hopefully, we'll get a bit of clarity before the weekend. Um, but yeah, all it would take is um, you know a couple of midfield, you know, Shelby or Saint Maximan or something exactly. like that, and then um, suddenly. The, the thing is that I like with Wilson though is that we talked about you know um, how many goals you know Kane and Son are involved in I think Wilson is 75% of Newcastle's goals this year yeah, he's yeah. been directly involved in via a goal or assist so if you get that alert on your phone and Newcastle have scored there's a damn good chance that he's going to be involved in it um, will they score enough goals though right. yeah he wasn't even on my radar when I think of strikers I don't even look at consider Wilson just because of poor yeah, Newcastle attack yeah, yeah. Um, and it means you have to watch the Newcastle games, which nobody deserves to go through that at Christmas. <laughs> no, definitely not. Anything else? Sorry, sorry to any Newcastle fans. <laughs> Anything else to move on to the team no, discussion? I think we're done. 
So redundant. just I wanted to cycle back. I think something we missed on the Spurs discussion now. Do you think now the hokey cokey is a viable strategy at all? Now maybe, like you know, get keep Sun and uh, this is primarily for the guys that say own Sun and Kane, right? And has done so well for them. Do you think it's like you know viable strategy to keep rotating your KDB, Salah, Bruno, etc.? I don't know really, Zoff. I think uh, you know last season it's something that worked for me really well, but this season all these big hitters have been really consistent. And uh, you know, hats off to our friends at uh, who got the assist spot. Where I I was someone who always used to pay attention to more attacking teams and not as much to player goal involvement. Now that's something I need to start thinking about because even if the teams aren't scoring as many goals, if the players are involved, it's it's good enough. So that's something where I need to realign my thinking. So I and I don't know if it it makes sense to do the hokey cokey exercise something. Uh, I am planning to sell Sterling for Salah this week because I think Salah and KDB are top two and in a separate bracket at the moment. But I, I don't know if that's going to pay dividends this so far because all the big hitters are pretty consistent this season. Hmm. Also, there's something called momentum, right? I mean, with Spurs, uh, I mean, uh, Spurs, I mean, I saw Mourinho's post-match interview. He was delighted. I think everybody in that team is so up for it at the moment. It's like that Leicester season where they sense that there is a title They've challenge. They bought into it. They bought, they bought into it. There's a title challenge for the taking, so they're going to give it their all in every game. So I, I think twice before selling a song of Kane at the moment. Hmm. Yeah. So, so, so Tom, you said you're still probably selling uh, Vardy or who is selling Kane. What was what's your plan? I want to put yeah. you on the spot here. I know you haven't thought of a plan, but I want you to think. Was, tell us what at the moment. Is. At the moment, I would be. Um, yeah, I'm kind of edging towards selling Kane. And going down to either Wilson or Watkins, and then um, possibly update up, upgrading Jota or Mares. Um, but again, it's it's not easy this week because you're losing good players who have good fixtures. Um, you know, Jota will probably play in Europe this week, won't he? So there's no guarantee he starts at the weekend, is there? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I don't know. It's it's a really hard one this week. Um, I think there's a lot of people in a similar place to me at the moment. And I think all we can do is get the, as much information as we can via the European minutes and what's happening there and press conferences and then make a decision on Friday once we've got we've gathered as much information as we possibly can. But it's going to be a hard week um, losing, you know, Kane against Palace or Vardy against Brighton or, you know, they're, they're not games you really want to be losing, especially for hits. It's going to be a minus four to bring in Salah, but I, I do feel like I need him and now's the time to do it. Possibly my my my, my kind of issue um, kind of a few weeks back was I, um, I was up to 140K and I don't think I was aggressive enough at that stage. I kept to my normal way of playing and I regressed because I, I didn't move for Grealish, I didn't move for Calvert-Lewin, I didn't move for Fernandes for that West Brom home game and I think that maybe this time I need to be a little bit more aggressive with it to try and at least kind of keep the momentum I suppose um, no. no, I agree with you. Soph, what would you do in Tom's situation if you had to sell one of Kano Wadi? So I would definitely, now the thing is he already has a nice structure but he has two premium forwards right, so I would definitely sell Kane over yeah. there so it's very easy for you to bring Kane back. All you have yeah, to do would, is upgrade would you, Vardy. Would you sell Kane? I know you sold, you sold Vardy, but obviously you're in a different position. Would you sell Vardy or Kane this week? So I would definitely sell Kane because I think Sun is definitely much more lethal now in the Spurs' current tactical plan. Kane scored, but ultimately yeah. it was still, I felt, Sun who was the more threatening player. So and, what, and It yeah, comes what, down to money what, also, right? It comes down to like Kane being yeah. 11 million, Sun being like 9-odd yeah. million, so... And you can always yeah. swing. The thing is, I had a look at this earlier. Vardy's fixtures transitioned into Kane's really well. 
you have Vardy who has I think the next two good fixtures and then Kane plays Leicester at home so it transitions well, I'm, um, all I'm looking at at the moment is four weeks because the wild card's planned in 16 right. so I'm just looking at as I can easily lose Kane now for four weeks and then get him back get in him for back. 16 when they play Fulham so um, yeah Pranil what would you do would you sell Vardy or Kane or who would go it's a tough one. It's a tough one. Put, yeah. push, push, put on the spot, I'd sell uh, oh, Vardy. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, that's a good point. I'd sell Vardy I mean, and Kane. I forgot about that. Yeah, I, think, that, I think the Crystal Palace so fixture flat. is yeah. a Kane fixture on paper. Where Spurs are going to have to take impetus player. I don't think we're going to see Kane as deep. And mm. I rate him over Vardy as a player. And I rate Spurs more as over Leicester as a team at the moment. Or do, or do I ignore, do I ignore Vard, uh, sorry, Salah for this week, which uh, yeah. you can tell what's going on in my head. I'm just kind of, uh, you know, I'm, tough, I'm trying to come up with it's answers. Pretty, it's pretty much what's going on in everybody's head. Yeah. And this is, it's too early in the week for me to be making this decision. So I don't like making them till Fridays. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and it's also yeah. unique, right? Because let's say now we had Liverpool now instead of Salah, instead of Sun and Kane, you had Salah and Mane. And somebody, they had delivered double digit hauls the previous week. And somebody asked you, are you going to sell them? You'd go, no, hell no. But only because it's Spurs and only because it's a Mourinho team, you're even considering it. Yeah. 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 I mean, Big selling decisions. Sterling for me is not an easy decision. It's a position yeah. I'm in, but it's just, I've had yeah. too much of that. I'm just going to take the points and go. I might bring him back in a couple of weeks for that. At, nice at, least, at least with Sterling, it's... He's not a tougher, a t- yeah, yeah, and I suppose it's a tougher fixture, isn't it, than maybe yeah. what Kane or Vardy have got, at least exactly. on paper. So it's, um, yeah, I'm quite envious of you know, that seems like a straightforward swap. I don't think the Brighton fixture also is as easy because, like, you know, Brighton don't concede as many shots. Nah. So, yeah, nah, their numbers are good, aren't they? Numbers nah. are good. So, Everton, yes, Everton is good. But then again, you have Spurs away and United. The fixtures toughen up a little bit. So, I agree with that, what mm-hmm. LR said. I'd probably sell Wadi, which is obviously what I've done. Yeah. So now Plenty to think about. Plenty to think. Now, let's move on to the team discussion. I think we've covered the heavy hitters extensively. Now, let's first look at Leeds. All right, uh, so I, I'll just start on this one. I think uh, the the biggest learning that I've had in terms of leads is you you like good teams playing against them because they're definitely going to offer you lots of chances. I mean, what happened with Werner was uh, sort of an anomaly, but Chelsea could have had five or six goals on the day. I thought they absolutely battered leads. I thought Lampard had the better of uh, Bielsa in this game. Uh, but the fixtures are turning now, and I expect them to dominate in the next few games. I'm not particularly worried about Bamford as a pick. I think... I mean, I put my neck on the line in the past few weeks and I said, I think he's probably the best value asset in the game. Nothing has changed in terms of uh, my opinion there. Uh, Rafinha is making his way into the conversation as an alternative or an addition in that midfield. 5.5 million odd, I like him as a pick. And I'm, I'm, I'm less convinced than I was about their defence at the moment. That said, they're not playing pretty potent attacks in the next few weeks. So, I mean, if I have a Dallas or an Ailing, I'd, I'd stick with them, but I don't know if I would buy one. It's just rolling the dice in a 4.5 million asset, trying to get clean sheets as well as attacking points. But I'm just not very convinced about the defence at the moment. Mm-hmm. Tom? Yeah, um, yeah, the defence give up chances, don't they? Um, they kept clean sheets recently against uh, Arsenal and Everton, didn't they? Um, but yeah, I think um, I, I would bring in somebody like Dallas if you're looking for a, a 4.5 or a 4.6 defender, um, just because he's been moving into midfield a bit more, hasn't he? Um, which won't happen every game, but when it does, it's a really nice kind of um, quality to have when you've got your defender playing a little bit more advanced. Um, Koch is out, isn't he? So um, there's going to be a bit of upheaval in the back line. I think Lorente will probably come in. Um, 
but yeah, I think think they'll offer reasonable value for that. Um, further forward, I mean, they're just. Um, I wouldn't be against a double up. I mean, I like Bamford. I'd be happy to bring in Rafinha as well. Just, you know, they've created more chances than any other side in the league this season, um, which is just incredible for a newly promoted side. And even over the last four, it's been, I think they're still top four. So, um, yeah, I think there's loads to like about Leeds. And um, I've got Ailing and Bamford. Um, and if it was easier in my structure, I'd happily bring in Rafinha as well for this run. Yeah. Sure. Just just reading out the fixtures for our listeners as well. West Ham at home, Newcastle at home, Burnley at home, and West Brom away in the next five. And United away. Fixture. How can you leave that out? The easiest fixture of the lot. That's <laughs> a Bruno captaincy game. <laughs> so we we'll get chances, won't we? We'll yeah, get chances. Sure. So I've got the table up here in terms of shots in the box over the last four. Leeds are third with forty-two, but I was surprised to see West Ham in here at fourth. We'll touch upon West Ham in a few minutes, but first let's touch upon Leeds in terms of defence. So now, Koch being out probably means two things. Either Llorente is going to go in there, as Tom said, or it could mean Ailing going at centre-back again, which would naturally pull Dallas out to the right and Alioski to the left. Now, it's an interesting dilemma because Dallas now is on three yellow cards, right? He's got seven or eight game weeks, I think. Now he has to avoid two bookings. So it's a bit... Di- the situation isn't as clear-cut. I think it's quite a difficult decision. If I had to invest one of Ailing or Dallas, who would you guys prefer? Tom? Uh, Dallas, I think I'd go for. Even with um, the yellow card risk? What is he on? He's on three. He's on three. He needs to go to five for a suspension. Yep. Until game week 19. Yeah. Um, no, I still think I'd go with Dallas. I mean, you don't know, do you? I mean, just he's got three three yellow cards over how many game weeks so far. So, you know, you, it's, he's not accumulating them every single week or anything like that. I think I think his, his upside of kind of moving into midfield... Um, it, probably outweighs Ailing a little bit. Ailing's just one of those players who's putting up really good numbers but just failing to deliver week after week, isn't he? He's getting so close to so many assists. He, he pops up in good places. He's putting good balls in and it's just not quite there. That, that but, Everton um, game was a tough watch as an Ailing one. Oh, he was yeah. in the box so many times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he gets some great positions. But yeah, I do think um, maybe Dallas just edges it, but um, you probably can't go too wrong by picking either. I think I would agree because there is a slight possibility of, let's say, Yorente has a bad game, Ailing would get slotted at centre-back, in which case he offers almost zero attacking threat. Yeah. I think Bielsa is going to be pretty you know, straightforward about that in his press conference on you know, Thursday. Yes, Friday, yeah. where he just, he's just going to say that this guy is going to come in. at Because I think when Phillips got injured as well, he mentioned who's going to play in his position, etc. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, he said it was Stroich, wasn't it? Yeah, Thank you, yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of that attack, I really don't think, honestly, there's any options besides Bamford. I know you guys are keen on Rafinha, but maybe just purely because of his price. But at 5.4, I'd rather put that money in defence. I think in a congested period, I don't know about Rafinha. He's shooting a lot. He looks good on the eye test. But it could be like Lamptey, all fart, no poo. <laughs> so I'm not that convinced on Rafinha. I think if Bamford is a great pick. Bamford would be, by far, like you know, one of the top assets in the game, in my opinion. So... Bamford, yeah, I think, given a captain option, let's say against the Newcastle, if you're not sure about somebody else getting rotated, I'd stick my vice captain on someone like Bamford for that week. Yeah, good shot. Good shot. Something like Don't that. Disagree. So let's move on now to West Ham. So I've highlighted their defensive numbers up here. So West Ham earlier were posting very good defensive numbers, which is not the case anymore. In terms of big chances, they've conceded 10. Over the last four games, that's the same number as, like, you know, Sheffield, just one more than Wolves and Southampton. And you look at Leeds, they're right at the top in terms of worst for big chances, 13. Mm. 
So Leeds are always going to give you chances. I mean, the likes of Wilson, like, you know, I think you look at it, Newcastle is a good fixture for clean sheet. But Wilson's going to look at it and, you know, think it's a good opportunity for him to score a goal on the counter-attack, which is what Newcastle are built to do. So What's your thinking? Are you interested in that defence? Are you thinking of holding on to Kufal also for the next few fixtures? See, the thing with Kufal is he's quite attacking, right? He's playing as a wing-back. I think he's matched Aaron Cresswell in terms of attacking potential the last few games. So what I'm trying to build, I'm trying to build three perma-play defenders. My plan is to shift Cancelo eventually to James. So I'll have Diaz, James and Chilwell with Kufal as my permanent first sub. So the advantage of that wing-back role is even like, you know, you can see he could easily get attacking returns. So I don't. I wouldn't more feel comfortable playing a West Ham defender regularly, but I think as a sub, they're good options, right? Because they're reliable starters. Yeah, I agree. Because in the next five game weeks, I have the fixture taken in front of me. They have Leeds, Palace, Chelsea, Brighton, and Southampton. I mean, probably the Palace game is decent for clean sheet, but outside of that, they look not really good fixtures from a defensive perspective. But from an attacking perspective, I, I like the defense. Uh, yeah, and like we saw in the previous table, the attacking numbers are actually quite good. Just one fewer shot in the box and leads. And everyone's talking about leads being the, a phenomenal attack. So we need to recognize the West Ham attack is also improving. Yeah. So Tom, you're going to touch about Bowen, right? What What's your thoughts on him? Yeah, I think he's looked... I mean, just... This isn't me looking at stats or anything, just watching the last couple of games. I just think he's looked absolutely brilliant. Um, and I think he's probably the go-to option in the attack at the moment because Fournals looks looks good in patches, but you've got Ben Rama who is increasingly coming off the bench and you've got to think maybe is a start around the corner for him soon. So that kind of puts me off that a little bit. Antonio, he kind of came back and now he's injured again. So I think Bowen, if you want to invest in the attack, I think he's the one to go for. And just going back to the defence, um, I think if you can use them in a rotation, um, I'd be happy with that because um, I think you could probably play them in 13 and 15 and going forward a bit more than that, you could play them in 18 and 19 as well. Um, and I, the thing I like about them is that you've been able to predict the clean sheets in recent weeks. I think they've kept clean sheets against Fulham and Sheffield United. And I think that's really valuable. If you're going to use a rotation, you don't want them to be getting clean sheets away at Everton or whatever when you're not going to play them. You want them in those games where you are going to start them. So, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd go up to Cresswell now. I think Kufal up at 4.5 um, would be the one I would go for. And then Bowen further forward if you want to invest in the attack. Off you. I, I actually like Bowen a lot as well. I think Bowen's a great option. He was taking some set pieces. I don't think well, yeah. it looked interesting, getting in great positions. So, I think my thinking there in terms of the West Ham attackers is a sorry. Go on, sir. No, I was just saying, Suchek also possibly could be good, right? If you're looking to build a power midfield with, like, let's say, Sun instead of your Grealish and all that stuff, that's something I'm looking at when, like, Grealish has a very tough run of fixtures over Christmas where he plays, I think, Chelsea, Spurs and stuff back-to-back. Maybe sometime, yeah. like, you know, you can downgrade the likes of Jota to Suchek, upgrade Grealish to the likes of Sun. So, I think Suchek is a great enabler as well. Yeah, I had him for a long time. I sold him a couple of weeks ago, but, yeah, more than happy to play him. Yeah, I agree. I think I like Suchek as an enabler. I'm not really sure about Fornals or Povin as picks at the moment because I don't think they're... Uh, I don't know. I think they're better at picks in the in the midfield for that price bracket and better picks in the forward line for that price bracket. So, I wouldn't touch those two at the moment. Mm. And we don't know what's happening with Antonio. I think he had a recurrence of his injury or something Did. like that. Yeah. yeah, I think he'll be out for a couple of games at least, don't I? Mm. Yeah, I can't trust him in a busy period anyway, right? With three games in seven days. Yeah, it's a shame, isn't it? Because when he does play, he's one of the 
one of the better kind of cheap he'll probably rival Watkins and players like that if he's fit and he's playing every week but like you say it's probably not the time now with the congested uh, and the thing is he makes everyone schedule. around him better right? that's a bad thing about Antonio mm. he makes Bowen a better option he makes Fornals a better option he makes Suchek a better option yeah that's a big just, just while we're talking about West Ham I think Fornals has done pretty well I, just, I think in the mm. past two or three weeks isn't that mid- price point I think he's surpassed Bowen as a pick for me based on the items but I just wouldn't touch either at price point I just think he looks really good he's in and around the box a lot more than I expected him to be he's just not yeah he is yeah it's just the minutes thing isn't it and it's um I'm just going to pull up and see how many minutes he's had in the past couple of weeks it's um it's 74 against United and then 90 against Villa and then 75 before that 71 before that so he is he's the one getting replaced isn't he but um He's got, yeah, he's got an assist and a goal over the past five. Just what worrisome, you, I think. What do you think card. about Ben Rama, Tom? I think, do you, did you watch much like of him in the championship? Um, not last season, but the season before I did. And Villa were actually linked to him a lot um, in, in, in the transfer windows. Gone. He's a player that I like. And I, th- I think when he came, you can see him starting probably, if they're going to stay with three at the back, he's competing with four nails, isn't he? If they move to four at the back, then it might open up space to move four nails maybe as a 10 and then... Ben Rama out wide, but yeah, until he starts getting regular starts, it's way too risky, isn't it? Mm. But I think when he does, I think he's a much more exciting player to watch. Really exciting. Bowen yeah. and stuff. Even, even his impact off the bench, he looks exciting, um, doesn't he? You know, just coming on, with, you're seeing him for 20 minutes or whatever. He's uh, he's an exciting player to own. He'll take players on, he'll get in the box, he shoots maybe too, slightly too often on times, but yeah, he's, um, yeah, he's a good player. Mm-hmm. Anything else to touch here, guys? I think we can move on to the Saints. So. I'm just going to leave you two to talk about Saints for a minute. I'll be right back. Cool. So, yep. Southampton are a difficult team to read, I think, in terms of... I've got their attacking numbers up over here. In terms of shots in the box, they've had 26. That's the fifth lowest. That's about the same number as Fulham. In terms mm-hmm. of big chances, they've had just four. That's fewer than Burnley. So, they've been relying a lot on the set pieces of late. I think even the Vestergaard, yeah. the penalties... And the thing with Saints is, right, I worry about them when, the, when they are three games a week because the playing style is so intensive. He's been playing the same lineup for like, you know, 11 players. If you're going to play the same guys, feed it, I can't see how they cannot be a drop-off in terms of stamina. Because even the United game you saw by the last 20 minutes, they were completely ragged. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, you know, Project Restart, they were one of the form teams in the league, weren't they? And then... They went into this season and they weren't quite at the races, but I would put that down like you touched upon upon the fitness. You know, Hassan Hotel's setup is so reliant on the players being at 100 percent and they possibly weren't for the first couple of weeks. But now they um they they're a bit up and down, I suppose. I think they drew with Wolves, they lost to United, they beat Brighton last night by a by a fortunate penalty. But I, I think they're gonna offer some value. They're a good team. Um Defence, I'd kind of be okay with probably one of McCarthy or Walker-Peters. Um, the attack, um, I think the midfield, the, the points can maybe be a bit too spread around. Mm. Now you've got Ward-Prowse, you've got Armstrong, you've got Walcott, you've got Redmond who will probably get minutes, haven't you? But I do I do like Danny Ings. I mean, he, he got 45 last night, scored the penalty. And uh, he's so reliable, isn't he? It's just whether or not, you know, they've got Sheffield United next, haven't they? Then it's Arsenal away, which isn't isn't a bad fixture. City and then Fulham and West Ham. So, yeah, it wouldn't be against the punt, but it's just whether you can, you can fit him in into your structures right now with, with quite a few other 
you know, people like Bamford and Watkins, is Ings worth that extra two million over somebody like them? Because you're probably not going to captain him, are you, Matt? Um, That's the question. That is the question. Mm. Right, What's your take? Probably not. Yeah, I like them. I, but but I'm with Tom, actually. Do, do you think he's going to offer the value over the six million guys? The only thing that I like in terms of what I saw is face, he looked pretty sharp. That's the only worry I'd have in terms of a player coming back from injury. But I thought he had a really good 45 minutes. And mm. uh, uh, he's a good pick if, if a structure can afford it. Otherwise, I, I, I think uh, there isn't going to be too much of a difference in terms of the points that Jay Adams and, and Ings going to play. I think Adams looked pretty good. And when Ings and Adams actually play together, uh, Adams tends to play further forward. So he's going to get more, more quality chances. But Ings is a way better finisher. So mm-hmm. if your structure can afford it, go for Ings. But I, I don't see a problem with Jay Adams as a pick guy. No. Yeah, yeah he, he, he had a quiet game last night, didn't he? But it general, generally, he's looked good. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, and then there's penalties as well, which you can't rule. Yeah, that's the big only thing I want to also monitor is uh, whether uh, Theo Walcott is going to be starting in that Nathan Redmond position. So I think maybe judge for three games if he's going to be starting. If that is the case, I do like him as a pick because I think uh, that inside forward role suits him a lot more. It's very natural for him to adapt to that position because he's not really a winger when he's crossing the ball. He's actually somebody who does like to drift in a lot more, create space, yes. shoot a lot. So, so I like that as a pick if he's starting the next two or three games. It's, wait and, it's, it's a wait and watch in terms of whether mm-hmm. Edmund is going to be competing with, for, with him for his spot. <laughs> and there's Janapo as well, isn't there? I don't know if I pronounced his name right, but he's, he's, he's been getting minutes and adding to the mix too. So <clears throat> There's a fair bit of competition in that midfield for the wide spots, isn't there, with Armstrong as well, albeit on the other flank. Would you be bringing in a defender from their side at this moment? I think that defensively, they've looked much more poor for the last three, four weeks. I think McCarthy has been bailing them out. Yeah, yeah. I think they're a I don't better know. 4.5 picks. Yeah, I think if you, I've got two and, you know, I'm obviously going to keep them for Sheffield United. But, yeah, like you say, I think there's better options, isn't there now, than, uh, than a Southampton defender if you're going to bring somebody in. Fair enough. Let's just now move on to the fixtures for this game week. Let's start up with the first one. Leeds West Ham to kick us off. What do you guys think? Goal fest? I don't know because West Ham like to sit back and defend, don't they? I mean, in such a game, I expect them to do that and try to hit uh, Leeds on the counter. But without Antonio, it's a little difficult for them. So I see Leeds winning this by a couple of goals. Mm-hmm. Tom? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I see a Leeds win. Um I think Bowen, again, going back to him, he could be that player who, who does have a bit of joy um, against them on the counter-attack. But, yeah, I think Leeds might have a little bit too much to them. West Ham have been giving up quite a few chances down their right in recent weeks. So maybe a good week for Harrison or Alioski, dependent on what setup they go for. But, yeah, I can see a Leeds winning that one, I think. I mean, do you think? Do you make anything of their poor home form versus their away form? Do you think there's any reason for that? No, I don't think so. I think um, watching the games, I think they've been, they were unlucky not to, really unlucky not to beat Arsenal, weren't they, a few weeks back? I mean, you know, they've been taking a lot of shots. There's been a few, I mean, Bamford's been missing quite a few chances in the home games, which on, whereas away maybe he's been a little bit more clinical. Um, so no, I, don't, I wouldn't read too much into that just yet. I agree. Because the, the, the game planning odds are? I think probably 2-1 leads. I don't see them keeping a clean sheet, to be honest. Okay. Now, the next one, your boy, stop. We couldn't let this go. Wolves Villa, how do you think this one will go out? 
be a tight game, I think. Um, I think Barkley's out for Villa, which um, isn't isn't great news um, because uh, yeah, you lose a bit of that creativity down the side of the pitch with Grealish, which was so kind of key to our, our good matches, our good moments this season was having the two of them close together on the, on the left. So having him out means that Horahan will slot into his role. Good player, but but not offering the, the, the same kind of um, creativity as Barclay does. Um, so, yeah, and Jimenez out for Wolves. Is, you know, will they go with a four? Will they go with a back three? But, yeah, I, I see it being a tight one. I could I could see a draw in that one, actually, a 1-1, something like that. Mm, it screams 1-1, doesn't it? I mm. agree with that. Probably I, I think point. it's a good time for Villa to play Wolves. I'll go 1-0. Yeah. Oh, I like that scoreline. So, Tom, yeah, a, me quick, too. a quick question now. This Keenan Davis is back in training. I think he got some minutes yeah. last year. Do you think him, see him possibly playing that Trezeguet role? On the right, because I think I think probably that's the weakness in your attack in your first eleven. That right side is probably the weakness. You have El Ghazi, you have Traore. You have well, that was um, that was what Traore was brought in for. You know that signing. Um, he's a versatile player, but he was Smith. I'm sure brought him into play on that right hand side, and it's all been a little bit stop start, um, which is maybe not. You know that you know it's, it's understandable coming from from France, um, but that long term is probably his position. Um, I can't see Keenan Davis getting any minutes um, on on the on the wide on the wide positions. Um, he might be an option to come in for Watkins with five ten minutes to go, but I, I wouldn't be expecting many minutes from him at all. Also, just to touch on to that, I think Trezeguet is also doing a lot of defensive work for that team. He he's does, yeah. Back pretty diligently, so he's keeping himself in the team because he's adding to the team structure in terms of... Yeah, no, that's, that's yeah, that's a totally valid point. Yeah, we're not yeah. just judging it on goals and assists, are we, for FPL? You know, it's the, the team as a whole and how they perform. And, and, and he does do a lot of the dirty work and kind of... Um, you know, a lot, a lot of closing down, a lot of pressing, and um, I think he'll stay in the team. But I do think long-term Traore, that is his probably spot. Right. So we can move on now to United Man City. Pranil, you're up first for this one. I'll, I'll go last on this one. I'll be able to. I personally think City are going to win this one, one nil yeah, or two nil. Yeah, two now. I think they'll have too much for them, right? now. And just United just recently, it just, you know, that first half of the weekend, it was just so lacking in any, any kind of imagination. And it's been like that, even against Southampton in the first half, against West Brom, it was the same. And you just, you just, you just worry that if they're only performing for 45 minutes, if they do that against City, they'll probably find themselves out of the game. So, yeah, it's these mid table teams. They have a good, strong first 11, but not a good squad. They're three points yeah. behind you. So, three <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that's that's their fair point though. They are, you know, it's not it's not a big gap, is there? Uh, I, I think it's going to be uh, it, it's going to depend a lot on what uh, goes down in tonight's game in terms of United versus Leipzig, because uh, I think momentum again is going to play play a big part. If we end up uh, qualifying tonight, then I think that momentum carries forward into the weekend, and uh, we manage to get a result. What about if it goes vice versa? I'm I'm not confident. That. Not yeah, because it's going to be bad, right? Let's say you yeah, like yeah. out of the Champions League, then you have the derby. Yeah. yeah. Generally, though, generally, uh, Solskjaer has done pretty well against Pep historically. He's got yeah. you know, good results against Pep. So, one, playing, one play, on, yeah. on paper, playing City suits us uh, because we like to sit. Fred and Tomini are going to be protecting them in the field. And then it's it's like on Bruno, Marshall and Rashford to get those goals and see what happens. So, I, it's it's a game that suits us more than a deeper defense. 
so like a kg affair but i think right do you think it's going yeah. to be no, not, not not a high scoring goal because i think pep this year is a bit different right you see his interviews even after he's talking about defensive solidity a lot he's talking yeah, about how yeah. we are very solid we are not conceding goals this is almost like you know pep has gone to some italian school of coaching over the summer and <laughs> come back with this renewed focus on clean sheets yeah. Yeah, yeah, even against Fulham, they stopped playing in the second half. Exactly. They were. I mean, they had a really good first half and created a lot of chances, and then there was nothing from anybody in the second half. Yeah, yep. So next one, Everton, Chelsea. I feel feeling strangely confident about this one. Goodison Park has usually yes. been a difficult place for us to go, but I'm feeling quite confident about this one. I would say two one or three one Chelsea. Hoping the prediction comes true. I'm hoping for a couple of goals from Werner. Because he, he owes me. That's all I have to say on that. Tom? Yeah, it's going to be interesting what Everton do, isn't it? Because they've kind of trialled this back three, haven't they? But it just hasn't worked, has it, over the past couple of games? And it was only when they moved to a four against Burnley that they, they looked a bit better. But, I mean, at the weekend, it's, it's probably going to be Godfrey at left back, isn't it? And Awobi at right back in a back four. And that, that ain't going to cope with Chelsea's attack, is it? I wouldn't have thought. Um yeah, I can see a Chelsea win. I can see a 2-1 or something like that. But um, hopefully Everton will score and wipe out all of those Chelsea clean sheet points. Chelsea are taking a, <laughs> a lot of chances at the moment and Everton yeah. are conceding. So if Chelsea decide to put all those chances at the back of the unit, I won't be surprised to see them scoring four goals. Mm. Yeah, Pretty cool. Uh, it should be a good game. Yeah, it depends on which Pickford shows up because he's also a Jekyll and Hyde player. Some days Absolutely. are great games and some days terrible. Absolutely. And Everton are going to have the, this is the first game with the crowd back, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So, yeah. So I think they'll have some honours. They can't really park the bus as much as at home and I don't think they have the personnel to do it. So I think this is going to be a pretty fun game to watch. I also yeah. think they're going to struggle a bit in the congested period because it's a very thin squad. Very thin squad. And, yeah. And then I don't think Hamez is uh, capable of playing midweek fixtures as well as weekend fixtures. I think they've done so well so far because he's he's got the... Uh, fitness to play one game a week, but I don't know about the congestion yeah. schedule. Yeah, and then you bring in Sig- then you bring in someone like Sigurdsson, and it's a massive drop off, isn't it? Uh, Completely different team then. Mm. Absolutely. So we can skip Southampton, Sheffield United. Let's talk about Palace Spurs. I'm hoping Hodgson pulls a rabbit out of the hat here. <laughs> I, I think I think I think Spurs have too much momentum. Two 0 to Spurs. I don't think uh, Palace have looked as convincing in defence as they have previously. I think two 0 yeah, what do we all think of Palace? I mean, like um, Zaha recently, you know, he's kind of come back into the fold. Would, would either of you be tempted by him? I know the fixtures turn now, I don't know. But um, do you think something's changed at Palace this year? Because previously I've always been wary of investing in them because of the, the lack of threat going forward. But you, has anything, you've seen anything to make you think maybe differently this year? To an extent, I do think Zaha is the different player from last year. It would be amiss to completely ignore that fact. I think he is shooting a lot more. He's a lot more mm-hmm. confident. He's getting in better positions. I still wouldn't invest because with Palace, you expect them to beat the sides like you know, in the middle of the lower end of the table and expect them to roll over against the top sides. And I think they haven't done enough to make me think of something different in that aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So what I think I- the thing... So I'm hoping now they do have some more attacking personnel, right? I do think Hodgson is going to offer some more threat on the counter-attack than he previously would have done. Now, you have, like you said, the likes of Ize, Zaha, Ayew, Benteke. Benteke, I would love it if Benteke gets a goal here. 
So I do think Palace can make it difficult for Spurs because I don't think it's very easy now for Spurs to suddenly switch on and go to like, you know, after the last few games playing where Mourinho has gone full Portuguese Pulis. So now he has to go like, you know, suddenly play a more attacking game. I don't think they'll be immediately be able to switch it on. Maybe it's just hope for me. I'm hoping for a 1-1. Right. No, I think the difference has been essay, clearly. I think Zaha has somebody else to take the pressure off him. He's distracting the defenders. Otherwise, the team used to double or triple on uh, Zaha because that was the only yeah. threat they had. I think that's changed in terms of having another player who's pretty good, who's pretty creative. He plays on that left-hand side, but he tends to drift in towards the centre yeah. a lot, which tends to take, which tends to pull a couple of defenders in and then gives Zaha a little more space than he's been used to. Yep. So, good player. Yeah. Fulham, Liverpool. I think uh, it's going to be three 0 to Fulham. I think a lot of people are expecting three uh, nil to Fulham. Three 0 to Liverpool. I think a lot of people. Are... <laughs> Expecting a, uh, you know, uh, are, are going to expect a good Fulham to show up in terms of their second half performance against City, but I think that was, uh, that had to do a fair bit with City slowing down as well. Mm-hmm. I think Trent and Robertson being back, I think Liverpool players being rested this midweek because the Champions League game doesn't matter. Uh, so rested Liverpool players, uh, I think three 0 to Liverpool. I think Fulham score. I think probably 3-1, I think it was Fulham. I think I've developed a bit of a new system now, right? With Mitrovic on the bench, this whole counter-attacking thing. And they have a decent squad now on paper with the likes of Angisa, Loftus-Cheek, Lukman playing well. I, I think Fulham have started to show more promise in attack off late. I don't think it'd be as easy a game for Liverpool defensively. They'll probably still score a couple, score two or three. But I think they'll be under the cost a little bit in terms of defence. Tom? Yeah, I say a three, three nil, something like that. I think um, could be a good game for Mane to play. Um, that one, looking at how well Sterling did um, from that side at the weekend. So yeah, Liverpool just look, um, you know, even with all the injuries, they just look really convincing at the moment. They just, you know, they dispatched Wolves four nil. You know, it's just, um, yeah, they, they, they look like they, they look good at the moment. And being able to rotate that forward spot with with Joe to have an arrest and Mane, it's just going to help them, isn't it, every now and again? And, uh, yeah, comfortable win that. It's uh, interesting that you say Liverpool look good. Do you think they look good versus Brighton? Well, I think I kind of watched the the game and, you know, they had that chance within the first couple of minutes, didn't they? And then they, they're not as good after that, but they're finding they're finding ways to, to win games. And I know they were a bit unlucky in that Brighton game, weren't they, with the... With, kind of the late penalty and I just think yeah they're, they're finding ways to make things work and considering how many players they, they've got out which you've got to kind of consider players are starting to come back now you know Trent's coming back into the fold Trent and Alexander-Arnold is so important to the way they attack um, so him coming in is going to make a huge difference um, yeah I think they'll be fine so and Zoff, you mentioned the Brighton game. Mina Mino started in that game you know so I just don't rate him as a player mm, and yeah, uh, struggled and Mane didn't play that game and I I always have this thought that if Liverpool play without Mane instead of Salah, it affects them a lot more than if they play without Salah because I just think Mane brings a lot more to the team. Mm. Yeah, Salah is a better goal scorer and all of that, but I just think Mane does a lot more work for the team than a Salah does in terms of you know dragging some defenders apart, doing some defensive work, all of that. So and the pressing, yeah, Mane is a pressing machine. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. And That's players like Thiago to come back in as well. Um, who I think will really help them. And Henderson as well coming back. Um, yeah, I think Liverpool look in a pretty good place at the moment, I think, now. Mm-hmm. Do you guys want to touch upon any other fixtures or should we move on to the differentials? I can move on. Yeah, good to move on, yeah. Cool. So, 
we gone for the differentials here. I think LR, you've gone for the easy pick here with Pulisic. Yeah, I think it just needs to be mentioned because he's 1.2% owned. I think that's a good differential yeah, for the taking. It's, 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 if somebody has a structure to afford it, I think it's a good time to jump on, especially with a Everton fixture. I agree. I've gone with Neto. I think he could get something against Villa and I think he's going to be pretty secure for minutes now with Jimenez out. I think with Neto, yeah. the numbers have been good but the minutes have been a concern. So, I like Neto there. Tom, you've gone with Rafinha. Tell us more about that. Yeah, I mean, we've yeah we've spoken a fair bit about him, haven't we? I think over the last three games, um, he's taken a lot of shots. I think only De Bruyne, Bowen and Mane have taken more amongst midfielders over the past three. Um I think with Rafinha, the good thing about him is um, he moves around the pitch quite a bit. You know, he starts on the right, but he kind of, you've seen him quite centrally in recent weeks. Um, when he was at Everton, you know, he's popping up in the box. He had that really good header in the first half. Um, I think he's a really good option. 0.5% owned. He's cheap. Um, if I had a bit more confidence, I would pass him this week, either Sack or Villian, but I don't see anybody in there. Right now, even though I think they might have a bit of joy at Burnley, so uh, yeah, Rafinha is my pick this week. Yeah, I think he's a good pick there. Differential now. Moving on to our teams, LR, oh. you are first. Oh, I think I just lost you all then. We can hear you, Tom. Can you hear us? I think we'll just go on. I think Tom will come back and join us yep. pretty soon. Yep. So, LR, your team is first up anyway. Hello. Hello. Yeah. We can hear you, Tom. Can you hear us? Hello. All right. Uh, so let's just continue, oh. and I think Tom can. You kick. Uh, you kick. You kick. <laughs> you kick back in, and guys. Sorry. Uh, All right. Great. I think Tom's back. With Tom's us back now. with us. Yep. Yeah. So All right. I'll just go with uh, for the benefit of our listeners. I'll uh, read out my team. I've got Martinez as my keeper. In defense, I've got Chilwell, Target, and Ailing. I've got Lampie as my first sub. Zoff, would you play Lampie ahead of Target or Ailing at the moment? No. I just no. you just can't trust that Brighton defense and Leicester, Leicester away is, is a tough yeah. fixture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, one more thing about Lamptey, I didn't watch the game yesterday, but his attacking numbers and heat map were a lot less attacking than previously. I think he had created only one chance, had no shots, mm-hmm. and in general the heat map was a lot more towards a defensive half than it has been in previous games. Yeah, I was reading about them. March March was a more attacking wing back, and that was also because I think uh, opposition is beginning to realize the threat that Lamptey offers. So I think they were doubling down on him that side mm. in the game. So it's something Ralph recognized. Uh, and a lot more teams will in the future. Absolutely. Uh, in midfield, I've got Jota, I've got Grealish, I've got De Bruyne, and I've got Sterling. I'm probably going to sell Sterling for Mo Salah and have captain. Uh, in, and in my forward line, I've got Bamford, Werner, and Gabriel Jesus. Great. So, Tom, can you hear us now? Yeah, yeah, I think I'm back. Sorry about so, that. No problem. Um, Your team yeah, is up now. So, <clears throat> yeah, so um, I've got McCarthy in goal and Walker-Peters at the back. So double up for their home game, Southampton's home game against Sheffield United. I've then got Ailing and uh, James Justin in midfield. I've got Mares, De Bruyne, Jota and Son. And up front, I've got Bamford, Kane and Vardy. And then on the bench at the moment, I've got Steer, Can- Cancelo, Reed, and uh, Vinagra. Um, so... Yeah, in terms of the plans, and we touched upon it already, um, I've considered um, either losing Mares or Jota for for Salah, and then downgrading one of Kane or Vardy probably to um, Callum Wilson, or if we're a bit unsure about the COVID cases, possibly to Watkins. 
um, ahead of their kind of Villa's good run. So, uh, yeah, that's where I'm at at the moment. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I find it interesting that you benched Cancelo ahead of three defenders from like, you know, smaller teams, I would say. Are you tempted to play him ahead of any of the other three? I mean, if he doesn't play, he probably won't get subbed on, right? So, what do you think about Cancelo ahead of any? Yeah, I just... Um... I just think, um, you know, Walker, Peters, Ailing and Justin have all got reasonable fixtures. If I was going to bring him in, it'd probably be for Justin, I think. Um, but it, it, it kind of depends on European minutes. I mean, where do we see, what do we see with Cancelo now? Do we, you know, he's, he's, surely Walker's probably going to come back into the team, do we think, at right back? Um, it's tricky, isn't it? Because I think the midweek yeah. game again is a dead rubber, right? Now, if you see Cancelo mm. start there, you probably assume now Walker starts. Now, it doesn't even mean that. Now, if you see Walker starting midweek, I don't even think it necessarily means that Cancelo is going to start right. versus United with Pep. You don't know. But there's a very low chance of Cancelo being subbed on is the point yeah. I was making, right? So, yeah. I think if Walker plays, he's not going to take Walker off. So, you'd probably get your yeah. auto sub on anyway. I'm pretty confident just, Walker plays against us uh, because yeah. I think if Walker is rested, like we mentioned in the earlier part, he's rested in the easier games. Uh, here, uh, Pep will be wary of the threat that uh, of Rashford running in behind and mm. I think he'll That's use Walker. Point. That's a good point, actually. Yeah. Makes sense. So I'll just yeah, so, so yeah, something to, something to think about with that, but I, but it might be a good opportunity to me, for me to bench him this week and just see how the landline's kind of with it, with the selection and see where we're at, maybe. Um, I think I'm going to have to lose him over the next few weeks, but mm. we'll see. Because the good thing with Cancelo is if he gets benched this game, you'd back him to start the West Brom game a couple of days after. And that's probably the better fixture, right? So, That's the one you'd want him in, yeah. Yeah, not the worst thing if he gets benched this week. So I bring yeah, up, yeah, maybe, yeah. I bring up my team here. So I've got. I already made an early move since I had exactly 0.0 to do it. Wadi made way for Keenan Davis, which is why I asked him. Asked you about him earlier, Tom. Oh, oh sorry, mate. Yeah, he's gonna get he's gonna get some minutes from the flanks. So, yeah. <laughs> yep. So I've got with Diaz and Cancelo in defence right now with Chilwell alongside Fernandez, De Bruyne, Jota, Grealish, and Salah in midfield with Bamford and Calvert Lewin up top. I've got Kilman as the first sub, hoping that Wolves switch to that back three with Kufal as second. So would you I make think it's it really good for the midterms off. I like the look of that. Yeah, that's key uh, defense, Chilwell, good midfield, the right strikers in attack. I like the look of the team. What are you going to do with um, Calvert Lewin? Um, so, if you're going to keep him, or I think so, right? Because I don't see there are too many candidates I want to replace him with, and just the consistency, right? And I think in this busy period, yeah. he's going to play every minute. And the thing is, I was just watching that Burnley game. He doesn't move away from that six-yard box at all. In terms of the width of his movement, right. he's probably in the best positions of any player in the league. He doesn't do any sort of like tracking back. He's always in the right places to score. So I don't think that he's done anything that would make me think I need to get rid of him per se. The only person who tempt me for that DCL position is if, if, if you had cash to downgrade from any of your defenders or uh, attackers and then maybe just spend about... 0.5 to a million more for inks. That's that's the one that. Yeah, the thing for me, Calvert Lewin is a sell price of 7.5. So I actually need a whole one million to jump up to inks, which is a significant thing. So I do have Cancelo to reach James pencil in after that Newcastle game. So not the Newcastle, the West Brom game for Man City. I might get James in at, yeah. at that point. Right. Okay. We can move to the Q and A now. Yeah. Uh, 
just got some questions. First one's from Aryan Das. This one's for you, Tom. Who is a gate forward under 6.5 million other than Bamford? Um, yeah, touched on it already. I think um, probably Watkins or Callum Wilson. Well, I think actually Wilson is just over. I think he's 6.6 .6 now. And I do think with that kind of whole COVID situation, I totally understand why people wouldn't feel confident making that move right now. So if, if you're not, then then probably Watkins would be my pick of the bunch. I know he frustrated quite a few people um, a couple of weeks ago in, in that game, but he'll, 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 he'll do fine, I think, over the next few fixtures. Next one's for you, Zoff. It's from Krish Amistur. Uh, thoughts on Cancelo? He looks he doesn't look as nailed as he was two weeks ago. Keep or sell for cheaper, more nailed defender? So I think we're talking about Cancelo a lot. I would keep him for the next two fixtures specifically, right? Because let's say he gets benched for United, he'd probably start the West Brom game. So at least I'd keep him for the next two, see how the rotation pans out. Because I think he will rotate full-backs for the United and West Brom games. Next question is from Ryan Hamza. I'll take this one on. What to do with Timo? He's been very frustrating to own and no penalties yet since uh, he came on, became on penalties. What would you do? Would you drop him to Son uh, or hold for the next four? I think uh, uh, you you give him the next couple of game weeks, see whether he's beginning to put his chances. In. There's no question that he's going to get his chances. Uh, just see if he's beginning to put his chances. I think he deserves a couple of more games. Just to think about him objectively, yeah, he's looked frustrating. But in the last five game weeks, he's planned just one. So mentally, when you think about it, his bad day has been one return. And that explosion is around the corner. That's that's my thinking. I think somebody who's going to... I think Chelsea are playing really attacking football. They are creating the most chances in the league. He's, he's not as expensive to hold. I think give him a couple of games and then reassess. I'd agree with Next, that. Yeah. Next question is for you, Zop. It's from Understanding Football. Are City defenders ownable over long term considering everyone will be rotated around and no one will be untouchable or would, or should we find someone else at a similar less cost? I think Diaz is untouchable. Now, if you go back to Pep's couple of years ago, he played Otamendi in every game the busy period, 90 minutes. So, I think Diaz is untouchable. Pep has gone on pretty much to say how much he's added to the back line. So, I do mm -hmm. think he's the one to go for if you're going to go in that defence. Yeah. I actually got a lot of shit on Twitter because I mentioned that I'm a little wary of uh, Diaz because of John Stone's form. But uh, I, I think I agree with you. He's, he's looking really safe. And he's unlucky not to score. I think he's offering some sort of goal threat as well. So it's not like he's a dire. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. He, he does remind me a little bit of Otamendi. I remember you telling me a couple of weeks ago in terms of him getting at the end of chances. You saw the Portugal game as well. and he. So he in, in terms of his record, goal scoring record for Benfica, he scored one goal every 10 games, which is not bad. Not bad at all. Hmm. All right, next question is for you, Tom. It's from FAL Croat. Uh, hi, guys. Hope you're doing well. Who is the best cheap option right now? Jota with great stats on a good team, but rotation prone. Zaha with nailed good form and on pens, but bad team and mixed fixtures. Or Wilson, nailed with next three, next three fixtures on pens, but also on a bad team. What do you prefer out of these two, Tom? These three. Um, what were the options again? Sorry, I haven't got those. My Jota, Zaha, Wilson. Um, Wilson. Wilson, I'd pick out of those guys um, alongside probably Jota. Um, Zaha, I'm still not completely convinced with the fixtures that they've got coming. Um, they've got coming up. So I think, yeah, I, I do quite like Wilson. I do seem, you know, I think if Newcastle switched to the back four, 
um, and maybe go on the front foot a little bit more than they can. They're, they're not going to be a leader or anything like that, but if they start to become a little bit more attacking, which I think they'll need to in these games, um, I think he would be um, a decent choice. All right. Next one's for you, Sof. It's from Bill731. He's looking for a replacement for PVA, and he's got Chilwell as his premium defender, and he's got Target and Lanty. What do you recommend? Reese James. So the, so the reason for that primarily being right now with Ziyech out and Hudson Odoi, now we're probably going to be playing Pulisic and Werner on either side. Now, neither of these are prolific creators. They're both goal scorers. They're not really someone you're going to be expecting to put in the crosses for the likes of Giroud or Abraham. And neither is Aspie. So the, this is more onus on James now to provide the creativity down the right-hand side with Ziyech out. Would you, would you recommend James over Diaz as well? That's a bit more dicey, but I think, yes, probably because James has more upside. And All I think right. defensively, cool. we are just as good as City this year. All right. uh, next question is from Bargain Boy FPL. This one's for you, Tom. What are your thoughts about considering a stronger defense now that better teams seem to be tightening up defense-wise? I think we've lost Tom's off. What, what do you yep. think about this? I think it's tricky, isn't it, right? Because ultimately you have the midfield guys and the guys in attack who are actually doing well and you want to invest in. So I would say invest to the point of, let's say, like, you know, 5, 5.5, but I can't see any room for the Liverpool boys at the moment at 7. I think at 5, 5.5, which you're talking about, your mid-price defenders, those are still attractive. All right. Any interest in, uh, we haven't mentioned about Regulion, 5.7? Yeah, I think Regulon for anyone in a Mourinho defense, I think, is always a good pick. I think he might miss a game or two over the busy period, but that could happen to anyone. All right. Uh, next question is from Zeb Sikter. Uh Might sound knee jerky, but is Jesus worth keeping for the Man City fixtures? He was getting inside the box after Sterling, Maris, and KDB. Yeah, Zeb, I, I, I made that move in terms of getting Jesus for DCL. I'm not really happy with how that went because. Uh, if Jesus looked convincing in terms of his position, etc., uh, you know, I'd be okay with that decision. But he was dropping deep. He was playing in a sort of familiar role. That said, uh, I'd, I'd see what happens and hold him until the West Brom home fixture and then reassess. I think if you've gotten him in right now, give him a couple of games. Give him some more time. That's it. Uh, next question. Tom, can you hear us? I think Tom's still not I don't us. think so. I saw a good joke. Yeah, can you? Yeah, there we go. Yeah. I think he's barely with us, but just I think all of us can take on this. Uh, it's from FPL player. Since y'all, uh, if you have the wildcard, are there many any major differentials you'd be considering before the game week 16 wildcard? Zoff, any differentials you like? I'm not I sure, Tom. Possibly, maybe in midfield in terms of the budget, guys. But right now, there's so many proven picks. Over the December period, this is not where I would like to go for differentials just for the uh, sake of being... Come on, I was expecting you to say Pulisic. He's the one. He's, or, he's, he's, it's difficult for me to think of Pulisic as a differential per se, I think. You know, I always look yeah. at Pulisic as like, you know, an outstanding pick. I think even you... Exactly, would, but like... But when you picked him for the differentials, I thought that was a bit of a cop-out. <laughs> just not the cop-out. It's just that you're playing the state... You're playing the game as it is right now and he's 1.2% owned. So, you know, if somebody... Had to go for a differential, especially for a short-term period. No, no, yeah, yeah Pulisic is a great screen. pick. Pulisic is yeah, a great that, pick. That's, that's, that's the one I think about. Anybody anybody else coming to your thought? You, if, do you think if somebody's in this Mane, position... Maybe Mane. I think Mane. Mm -hmm. But that, that's too expensive a price to be thinking about a differential, to be honest. I still like the likes of Bowen, Neto, somebody like that more so. Would you recommend a, a Timo Werner to somebody just for two, three weeks? 
if you don't have blood pressure problems all right all right, all right. All right. i think that's it from us uh, for this week don't forget to hit the like subscribe button uh, and don't forget to share tom thank you so much for being with us uh, i know you can hear us but i don't know if we can hear you but we always appreciate you on the pod yeah, thanks for having me guys yes pleasure <laughs> all right that's it from us see you next week guys bakar is back see you next thanks, week. guys bye bye sports social podcast network